Hello, everyone. Welcome to our latest Norton Rose Fulbright Regulation Tomorrow podcast. My name is Simon Lovegrove, Global Director of Financial Services Knowledge, and joining me today is Matthew Gregory, a partner in our London Financial Services team, who will be taking us through HM Treasury's latest consultation on consumer credit reform. Matthew, to begin with, could you start by saying a few words about scope as regards third-party lenders and merchants? Yeah, of course. Uh, thanks, Simon. And uh, hello, everybody. Yeah, you're right. There, there has been a distinction, hasn't there, for a little while now being drawn by HMT between uh, BGL on the one hand and uh, what was referred to as short-term interest-free credit on the other. So the distinction there was um, Treasury looking at BNPL as being taken out online with consumers, having this overarching relationship with a third-party lender under which many uh, low-value agreements were made with little transactional friction as a result sort of a relationship-based test in some ways. And then short-term interest-free credit, which was often uh, provided in store with consumers taking out a single higher value discrete agreement with the credit provider, who sometimes was a third-party lender, but was often the merchant themselves. That's a sort of more traditional form of credit and in many ways where uh, some of these uh, legislative provisions actually began. And over time, uh, Treasury, it was sort of evolving its view and trying to consider whether or not the same uh, risks to um, consumers were present in on, uh, it were present as a result of agreements entered into uh, at a distance by online merchants as were uh, considered to be present in connection with agreements entered into uh, by third party lenders and in this uh, latest effectively a response to consultation and, and effectively a consultation on the new uh, regulations to implement this framework Treasury have effectively confirmed that in their view, the scope of regulation should be limited to BNPL provided by third party lenders and not where it's provided by merchants. So I'm sure that will be a welcome relief to, to a number of merchants out there who provide this sort of credit in support of the uh, purchase of goods and services that, that they provide to, to customers. I think it's, it's important to remember, though, that for merchants, there is going to be quite significant impact generally in terms of the new this new proportionate regulatory framework for BNPL, whilst they might not be subject to authorization in connection with uh, the provision of credit where it continues to fall within Article 60F2 of the RAO as it will be amended by these new regulations. Um, a number of merchants out there uh, may well be uh, credit brokers. Uh, they might provide uh, BNPL as a form of payment at checkout and uh, work with a third-party lender from that perspective who uh, currently may well be an unauthorised BNPL provider. What is very clear is that there's going to be uh, quite significant impact in terms of communications and financial promotions. So Treasury are proposing to reform the scope of the financial promotions regime. And that will mean that merchants in, in that context where they act as potential credit brokers, again, won't be required to be authorised by the FCA for that activity, um, effectively maintaining the present position. But this point around financial promotions is a really important one. Uh, and firms will want to think very, very closely about, uh, about the relationship they have with those third-party BNPL providers and what exactly will be required. And I know we'll come on to this, Simon, but in terms of authorization, I think you know, there's currently unauthorized BNPL providers can expect pretty intrusive assessment by the FCA of the, of the controls that they'll have in connection with financial promotions, given that effectively they'll be approving financial promotions for, for the merchants with whom they're going to work. Thanks, Matt. I agree with that. Uh, before we get on to authorizations, um, just one one further question. 
in terms of enhancements, I mean, I'm here to think about the uh, financial ombudsman scheme, compulsory jurisdiction, and also the expansion of the Section 75 protections for agreements. Could you just say a few words about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're right. Those are quite significant um, enhancements, I suppose, to consumer protection. So in connection with the Financial Ombudsman Service, the Treasury confirming the position, which I think we've known for a little while now, that uh, the uh, jurisdiction of the Ombudsman will cover BMPL agreements. I mean, there's a question there about the relevant fees of the Ombudsman. I, I know a number of market participants have made the point over time that because of the uh, often lower value nature of these agreements, the cost to lenders of the uh, Ombudsman Service could actually be really significant. And there may well be business model implications there for firms which could impact on the structure of the market overall. Uh, and then in connection with Section 75, uh, that protection uh, is going to be extended to these newly regulated forms of agreement. Uh, and that will be a significant enhancement to consumer protection uh, where those agreements are between £100 and £30,000. That's a protection that uh, a number of cons you know, consumers out there rely upon and, and use uh, a great deal. And again, you know, there'll be significant business model implications for lenders there, of course, in connection with the oversight of merchants um, and the responsibilities that they're going to assume pursuant to Section 75. So quite a lot of change and quite significant enhancements to consumer protection in connection with uh, uh, the use of BNPN agreements going forward. Thanks, Matt. Um, HM Treasury have confirmed in the consultation document that a new proportionate regulatory framework for buy now, pay later will include the disapplication of prescriptive requirements for pre-contract information under the Consumer Credit Act 1974 in favour of potentially more flexible and pragmatic FCA rules. Now, in contrast, HM Treasury has also said that it's minded to apply the prescriptive requirements for agreements in the CCA Agreements Regulations 2010. On this latter thing, do you think this is a major reform? Yeah, it's a good question, isn't it? I mean, the, the point around pre-contractual information and that moving into FCA rules for these types of agreements, I think that will generally be welcomed, although, of course, you know, to some degree, we need to wait and see what those rules really are. Um, effectively, Treasury are trying to calibrate this proportionate regulatory framework in recognition of the particular circumstances in which BNPL is increasingly provided. So online, uh, often at pace, um, in a seamless way that facilitates the provision of goods and services in that setting. Um, and, and that's one of the perceived both attractions um, from the perspective of uh, the market generally and, and often from a consumer perspective in terms of the UX, but also it's, it's actually one of those areas where, you know, thinking back to the Woolard Review and where all of this began, you know, it was highlighted as being you know, potentially one of the more problematic features of this section of the market in the sense that it facilitated the rapid take-up of these uh, types of BNPL agreements. And so one of the things that um, the Treasury, I think, has been grappling with is the extent to which friction should be included within the customer journey. To what extent do you sort of disrupt that uh, process around point of sale, which could you know, have a pretty significant impact on uh, sort of e-commerce generally, the take-up of agreements, the sale of goods and purchases and all of those sorts of things, but may well be a, a source of effective consumer protection by you know, putting a, a pause in the process there for reflection. So in, what Treasury seems to be doing is to is to move the pre-contract requirements into potentially, as you say, pragmatic regulatory rules, depending on what they say. But on the agreements, that's you know a little bit more um, surprising in some ways because the pre-contract information in the the form of the agreement often aren't that dissimilar. And so putting that requirement uh, in there, or rather maintaining the current requirement once the NPL agreements move into regulation under the CCA. 
um, will be, you know, effectively a pretty prescriptive requirement, fairly um, you know, formalistic sort of approach to regulation in, in the 2010 regulations that you mentioned, Simon. Uh, so, so those are the sorts of things that lenders are going to have to grapple with and obviously build the systems and controls to address, but also think carefully about the way that the customer journey now is going to look. And of course, once we move into FCA regulation, it's not just the formalistic pieces of the CCA, which will continue to apply that are going to be relevant, but also thinking about you know, wider regulatory initiatives like the new consumer duty and so on. So uh, there'll be an awful lot for lenders to think about, and there'll be you know pretty significant disruption to aspects of the customer journey and the flow at the checkout, I think. Thanks, Matt. Now, you mentioned authorization a moment ago, so let's just pick up on that now. In the consultation document, HM Treasury has proposed in a temporary permissions regime, which will allow firms to transfer into the new regulatory regime before seeking full FCA authorization at a future date. Now, we've had experience of a temporary permissions regime. I'm thinking of Brexit um, here. But from what you've read in the consultation document, what do you think are the headlines? Uh, yeah, it's a good point. I mean, the single biggest piece for me on this is that post-regulation -regu day, as it's going to become known, so that's the point in time that uh, the TPR takes effect so firms go go into the TPR so that we're thinking here about firms who aren't currently authorized to carry on this activity but want to undertake the relevant regulated activities in relation to agreements that are going to be brought into regulation at that point in time there's effectively a deemed authorization to carry on those relevant regulated activities and the consequence of that is that although those firms won't have gone through an authorization process with the FCA they will become subject to the relevant legal and regulatory requirements at that point in time, and they will be proactively supervised by the FCA, potentially enforced as well, um, against by the regulator at, from that moment in time. So an awful lot of work, I think, is the headline for, for lenders and, and relevant merchants to get ready for that regulation day. In other words, there won't be a sort of transitional period through which um, the requirements are gradually phased in, Rather, regulation day will occur, they'll get that deemed authorization, but at that point in time, uh, the relevant requirements will begin to apply. I agree with that, Matt. An awful lot of work ahead of firms. Now, let's just finally move on to timing. Now, the deadline for comments on the HM Treasury consultation document is the 11th of April. Uh, this year. Once the consultation is closed, HM Treasury will, of course, consider the feedback and make any changes to the draft legislation. It intends to publish a consultation response, which will set out the anticipated key milestones for regulation. And then following that, the government will lay legislation when parliamentary time allows. And the ambition here is that it will be during this year. Now, it, we're expecting an FCA consultation um, is well on its proposed rules, as well as for firms operating in the temporary per permissions regime. So an awful lot's going to happen uh, this year, Math. Any final thoughts? Yeah, thanks, Simon. I mean, a, a lot um, likely to be packed away in that FCA consultation. So I think firms, you know, really look out for that. I, I do think this is now about kind of planning for authorization. Um, but also planning for regulation day. So looking ahead at what the relevant requirements are going to be for the business, making sure that you can comply from that point in time. Yeah, in many ways, time actually may be quite short. I know we're a little bit uncertain still on exactly when those regulations are going to be made, um, but I don't think firms should kind of rest on their laurels here. So for unregulated 
BNPL providers, clearly an awful lot to do. But for regulated providers as well, to the extent they're running twin track processes um, or that they have uh, different customer journeys and so on in connection with unregulated agreements, there are lots of things to be thinking about there uh, as the these new uh, BNPL agreements move into uh, this proportionate regulatory framework. So yeah, a great deal to think about there for lenders and also for merchants. Again, you know, effectively don't be reactive here, but working through, particularly for larger merchants out there or for those where these BNPL agreements represent a fundamental source of, of customer acquisition and revenue generation, looking ahead, uh, planning those things out and also asking questions of the lender partners that they work with to make sure that they understand the implications at the earliest possible stage. Thanks, Matt. That's really helpful. This concludes this Regulation Tomorrow Plus podcast. Many thanks for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.